Just give a round of applause. Let's honor Pastor Law as he comes up. Super honored, excited for the word. Come on. Here, weep on my chest. Okay. I'm just kidding. There we go. Love <laughs> I love you so much. Come on, can we give it up for your amazing pastors? <laughs> Pastor Andrew, Pastor SB. Come on, we can do better than that. Can y'all honor them and bless them? All right, I'm choosing you guys to turn my back to. I'm so sorry. You're just like the smallest amount of people so I are sitting here, so I thought maybe I could do that. But don't worry, I'll turn around and like, We'll make eye contact and we'll connect as well. Um, but what a cool church that you are a part of. Would you agree? Yes. You guys are a part of a cool church. I mean, it's more than cool, but I just want to start by saying your church is so cool. You got a pastor with sleeve tattoos. He wears J's. He's a graphic designer. Has a lovely bride about to give birth to their second child that's just incredible man you guys have done so much at such a young age and I know I speak for the Lord when I say I'm so proud of you guys you guys are doing such a fantastic job and it really really is an honor to be in relationship with you first and foremost just for us to be friends and I know SB and my wife are friends as well and so as often as Andrew and I have been on the phone oftentimes uh, they're on the phone at the exact same time. So I'm like, who are you talking to? I'm like, talking to Andrew. Who are you talking to? Talking to SB. Oh, I was, what? Oh, oh, oh. Why don't we just do a Zoom? Like, the four of us. Like, we're, we're always talking. So it really is a joy to see what Jesus has been building through this team, through the leaders, through everybody who's serving, through everybody who's volunteering, worshiping, setting up, tearing down, praying, doing all the things. I know what it takes to start a church and do set up and tear down every single Sunday morning at 5 a.m. I know what it's like to start a church and have no money. I know what it's like to start a church and have no volunteers. And then you finally build up a volunteer team and they're like, actually, you know what? I don't like you. So uh, we're out. Uh, and then you got to start over again. And, and so seeing you guys and being with you guys here today, it actually reminds me of when we first got started and as I was watching some of the teams set up last night and rehearse I wanted to weep I'll be honest with you I wanted to cry and I was like oh I miss this season it was so awesome whenever we were in this season where we were setting up and tearing down and some of you guys who are on that team you're like what what's wrong with you bro like setting up and tearing down is not fun but you know what setting up and tearing down is one of the most practical ways that you can make a deposit into the kingdom. Because you guys setting up chairs in here last night, you may not have known who you were setting a chair up for. But I do know this, that whoever that person was is a person that Jesus loves and that he wants to encounter today. And so you played a part. You had a hand in their meeting with Jesus. So no matter how big or how small your role might be in this season, I want you to know that you are a part of something. And that something is very, very special. Would you mind to look at your neighbor and say, you are a part of something. Go ahead and look at the person on the other side and say, you are a part of something. And, and, and it's awesome. And it's awesome. Go ahead and say that as well. And it's awesome. 
It is. It is. Because Breakthrough Church is an amazing church. And I don't really know a lot about Lynchburg. This is my first time ever in Lynchburg. First time I've ever been to your city. Your city is cool. Once again, your church is cool. Your city is cool. We went to eat last night at this place called Gray's. Is that what it's called? And we went to the vintage shop next door. I, I bought a, a, a vintage Disney shirt for my wife. Uh, my, wife, my wife and I, she's trying to drag me into it. Maybe better said she's trying to disciple me uh, to become a Disney adult. And um, so I got, her, I got her a little Minnie Mouse shirt and a vintage Minnie Mouse shirt. Uh, but she hasn't quite discipled me, but I do know to keep her happy, I've got to take her to Disney at least once a year. So, uh, you know, I want to be a good husband. But, but we started very similarly uh, to this, and it feels, in a sense, almost in a similar season our city was in. It's like uh, a lot of people are, are moving here. Like, I don't know how many students go to Liberty, like, on campus, but it's, a, it's an enormous number. Would you guys know how many it is? 110,000. 110,000? That's what's on the website. 50,000? 110, that includes the online. Okay, do you guys know how many are on campus? 16,000. 16,000 Gen Z. Are you serious? So why not Lynchburg to have one of the most monumental global revivals that this generation could ever imagine to be possible? I mean, you guys are all here. I don't know if you see the potential, but there is so much potential in your city. There's so much potential in your school. You're, there's so much potential amongst your generation. And I'm just so excited to see what God is going to do through this church. I have, to, I have to say, this building is not big enough for you guys, all right? <clears throat> and I kind of told Pastor Andrew that like before, even though you're in a bigger building. I'm like, y'all got to do something different because God is going to do something different. Right. It's interesting how we always ask God to move, but we don't want to move. Right. It's like if you want God to do something new, you got to do something new. Right. I want all of you, God, but you only want to give half yourself. You know what I'm saying? Like if, if, if we want God to do something new, we got to do something new. And I, I think this next season is going to be a season of the new for you guys. I really do. I really do. I don't want you to get. Um, overly exhausted with change because there's going to be a lot of change that happens in this church over the next two to three years. So, so don't, don't get uh, annoyed with change, okay? Don't get annoyed like, oh, they're changing again because every human being likes change. I know a lot of people say, oh, we don't like change. We don't like change. No, you love change. You just like changes you initiate. <clears throat> the ones you don't initiate are the changes you don't like, right? Because that's when we feel forced or controlled. But every now and then, God will do mighty things among us in such a way that it feels like a baby bird being kicked out of the nest. Like, hey, time to fly, buddy. I don't think I can fly. Do you know that God believes in you more than you believe in him? He believes in you guys so much. He believes in this church. He believes in the, the leaders. He believes in the elders. And I, I, see a couple of, I see a couple of people here with gray hair, and I love that. Thank you guys so much for saying yes to being a part of this church. When we first started Legacy, I was 26 years old. So 26-year-old pastor. I don't know that I recommend that, but it happened. And uh, God called me, and I said yes. And so we started a church in our living room. I'm 38 years, years old now. 
um, we really began as kind of a ministry night, and then we segued into a church, kind of like you guys, and then eventually, like, we went to Sunday morning, which is what we needed to do, and uh, since then, our church has now turned six. Uh, we were actually given an old church building on the very first day of our launch day, September 11th, 2016. We were given a small little chapel church building, and we just wore the tongue out of that thing. I mean, we, we did everything we could in that building. We still own that building today. It's now our prayer room, and we do morning, noon, night on Thursdays. Uh, it's now our school of ministry. We have over 30 students in LSM, Legacy School of Ministry. They meet from Sunday to Tuesday, also in that room. We now have office spaces there. We now have children's spaces there. And that enabled us to actually go and buy another sanctuary. So now we have another building. And we're trying to take over the whole block. We just bought a house two doors down. We're going to try to buy more houses. Because when I see things like Liberty University and what God's done here in Lynchburg, I'm like, I'm believing for Legacy University in Nashville. I'm believing for Legacy College. I'm believing that we would be a city set up on a hill that cannot be hidden, that we would go from Nashville to the nations and that the nations would come to Nashville to get equipped, to get trained, to get encountered and sent back out to do great exploits for the kingdom of Jesus. And I share all of that with you guys as a testimony because I want you to give witness to what God is going to do here because he's going to do some similar things. God has connected our houses for a purpose. He's connected... Uh, you know, me and Andrew and SB for a purpose. And the reason for that is because there are some things that we've had the opportunity to see God do just ahead of you guys a few years. We started just a bit prior to you guys that I really believe, church, that God is going to do great and marvelous things here. And so I'm so excited to be a part of it. Are you excited to be a part of it? Well, I, I want you to get excited through your actions. All right. Not just through your attendance. Not just like I come on Sunday, but I want you to get excited through your actions. I want you to uh, go to the Get Connected flag with the coffee back there and sign up for a team and be a part of what God is doing. I promise you, you're going to get out of this what you're willing to put in, right? If you're always reaping and you're not sowing, you know what that's called? Stealing. You know what I'm saying? That's called stealing. Right. Thou shalt not steal, I believe, is one of the Ten Commandments, if I'm not mistaken. Right. And so it's 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 amazing to me how we reason ourselves out of being a part of the thing we're eating from. Right. Like, oh, Breakthrough Church is just they're killing it. and They're blessing me and I'm coming on Sunday, but I won't invite my friends. I won't post about it on socials. I won't volunteer to get involved. I won't give any money like I want to encourage you guys, be a part of what God's doing on the ground floor here because this season won't last forever. And this season is not only special, the season is also sacred. By being a part of what God's doing on the ground floor, you're going to have the privilege of saying when this church does so much more than you think is possible right now, you can say, I was a part of that move on the ground floor of that skyscraper. And so I don't want you to overlook the opportunity that you have because you have an opportunity. So as I've been talking to your pastors and Andrew and I have been doing calls and, you know, I know you guys at one point in time, you're doing two services, right? Two services. And you guys determined that you would go to one service because you wanted to have more time to worship Jesus. And you wanted to take a greater opportunity to value the presence of God. How many people in the room, you value the presence of God? I believe this is something that God is highlighting in our generation, 
that we would be a people, that we would be a church that would not just value ministry to people, but more than that, we would value ministry to the Lord. We would be a church that says, more than anything else, I must have the glory of Jesus. And I love what you sang today is like, when he's here, the glory's here, right? We are not exonerating a vibe. When we talk about the presence, we're talking about a person. We're not talking about an energy. You know what I'm saying? We're not talking about an atmosphere. We're not talking about what you feel when you go to hot yoga. Like we're, we're, what we're talking about is we're talking about the presence of a person who is alive, not dead. He rose again. But the presence of a person who is alive and is not far away, but is in the room. And so when we say we value the presence of Jesus, what we are saying is we value the very person of God in Christ Jesus, whom we testify to and declare he is here right now. In this very moment, he is in this room. We may not see him like you guys see me, but we acknowledge that he is more real than I am. And we're acknowledging that when we come together as a church, we're not coming together to listen to a band. We're coming together to interact and encounter a living God. And that's what we're doing. And that's what you guys are doing. And I want you to know that I want to confirm and affirm like the decisions that you guys made as the leaders to say, we're going to put a stake in the ground. And no matter what it costs us, it may cost us attendance. It may cost us money. But we are going to declare that the presence of God is the most important thing to break the church. So what I want to do is I want to talk a little bit about the presence of God this morning. I think it'll fit in with um, with where you guys are as well as where you guys are going. So uh, if you don't mind, open up your Bible uh, to Joshua chapter three. Uh, we're going to read Joshua chapter three, verse one through six. It's also on the screen here so you can read it. I do want to be mindful of my time and I forgot to set my timer. You said about 45 minutes is normal. I'm assuming my introduction just took 20 um, but I'm just going to start my stopwatch, and if, if I'm, like, going too long, just be like, cut it, cut it, cut it. <laughs> Give me a signal, bro. Get, get out of here. But um, I, I, I want to move through this. So uh, Joshua chapter 3, verse 1 through 6. You guys will probably all remember this story. Uh, it's a good story. We're going to start here, verse 1. You guys got it? All right. So I want to read it together, but I'm going to read verse one for you so you don't accidentally cuss. (laughs) Then Joshua rose early in the morning and they set out from Shatim. That's how you say that. I just want to keep you guys from cussing in church. Shatim. Y'all got it? All right, you want to learn a little Hebrew? Say it with me. Shatim. So then Joshua rose early in the morning and they set out from Shatim. And they came to the Jordan, he and all the people of Israel, and they lodged there before they passed over. At the end of three days, the officers went through the camp and they commanded the people, as soon as you see the ark, everybody say the presence. As soon as you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God being carried by the Levitical priest, Then you shall set out from your place and you shall follow it. Everybody say the presence. presence. Yet there shall be a a distance between you and it, about 2,000 cubits in length. Do not come near it, 
in order that you may know that you, the way that you shall go, for you have not passed this way before. God's doing a new thing. Then Joshua said to the people, Consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. That's a good word right there. Consecrate yourselves, Breakthrough Church, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. And Joshua said to the priest, will take up the ark, everybody say the presence, of the covenant and pass on before the people. And so they took up the ark of the covenant, everybody say the presence, and they went up before the people. The title of the message today is, To Get There, Follow the Ark. To get there, follow the ark. I don't know where there is for this church. I know it's wonderful. I know it's awesome. I know it's beautiful. I don't know where there is for you personally. I do know you have prophetic words over your life. If you have a prophetic word over your life, say, that's me. I do, I do know you have prophetic promises over your life. You have heard the voice of the Lord in prayer, and you know God has called you to great things. Amen. So I don't know where there is for you, but I do know how you're going to get there. And that is by tracking with the presence of God and following the ark of his presence. So to get there, follow the ark. Lord, we want to say thank you this morning for your word. Thank you for the Holy Scriptures. Thank you for feeding us fresh bread today through your word. God, we're grateful for your presence. We acknowledge that you are here. We're thankful for this house. We're thankful for the leaders and thankful for the team and everybody who serves. God, I ask that you would set a spirit of revelation, wisdom, knowledge, and insight upon each and every one of us today that we might receive the fullness of all that you have us to feast on. In Jesus' name we pray. And the church said, Amen. Amen. So, contextually, what is happening in this story is that the manna had dried up. Now, if you know about, you know, the Israelites in the wilderness, God supernaturally fed them by providing them six days a week manna. And at this point in time, the manna had dried up, so they had no choice but to move. You know, sometimes God will beckon us to move, and every now and then, God will put us in a pressure cooker. You know what I'm saying? To you like, man, I better get out of here, else I'm going to starve. Sometimes to grow is to go. Sometimes you're in a place and you're like, hold on, wait, is this warfare? And the Lord's like, nah, bruh. I just stopped feeding the, you the way that you're used to so that you would get uncomfortable enough to leave. So that's what's happening here to the Israelites is that God no longer is feeding them supernaturally through the manna. It is time for them to learn how to farm. <laughs> Everybody said, grow up. <laughs> right? Hold on, wait, Lord, you mean I don't get to hold out my hand and get food? Lord's like, no, you're going have to have to work. I know it's a novel concept, but you have to work to feed yourself, right? So that's what happens here is they have no choice. They have, they have to move. It's time to move. And so uh, God gives them a word. And what happens is, is that they prepare after they receive the word. And so they're about to embark upon a journey and they're going to move towards their promises. They're going to move toward there, wherever there is for you. They're going to move toward there, there, which is the promised land. That's where they're going. And so I'm going to walk through these six verses of Scripture, and I'm just going to highlight a couple of components from it. So if you want to leave your Bible open, you can. The phrase I want to start with is, 
as soon as you see the ark. As soon as you see the ark. You see, this is how they knew that they were supposed to move. It was as soon as they all witnessed the presence of God. As soon as the community testified to the reality that God was moving in their midst, they said, okay, it is now time for us to move. We can acknowledge the presence of God is moving, so therefore we're moving, right? They weren't willing to move unless the presence of God first moved. You probably remember the story of of, uh, Moses whenever he said, if your presence does not go with me, then do not send me up from here, right? Exodus chapter 33. I believe God is raising up a generation of people that will not move without the presence of God. They will not move unless the presence of God goes before them. And that's what's happening here to the Israelites. He's saying, as soon as you see the ark, this is how they knew they were supposed to move. Now, the ark of the covenant, it was a small box. It was not a huge box. It was a smaller box. And it was made of acacia wood. Uh, according to the pattern that God gave them. And one of the things you have to know about the Ark of the Covenant is the Ark was not magical. It's not like a Harry Potter thing. It's not magic. The Ark is holy. The Ark's not magic. The Ark is holy. Just like I said, the presence of God is not a vibe. The presence of God is not magic. It's not abracadabra. Okay, you're under it now. Amen. Some oil. Salt. You know, I don't know. I mean, I grew up around like, you know, praying church mamas and they did crazy prophetic acts like that. They'd be like, take three steps forward and throw salt and anoint yourself and blow the shofar. (laughs) Hey, according to your faith, so be it unto you, right? So the presence of God is not magic. The presence of God is holy, just like the ark. And the reason why the ark was holy, get this, is because it contained the word of God. That's why it was holy is because it contained the word of God. There was nothing magical about the wood of the box. Of course, it was built according to the pattern of the Lord, but it contained the word of God, which is why it was called the Ark of the Testimony. It had the Ten Commandments on the inside of it. The Ark was holy because the Ark was the very symbol of the presence of God in the Old Testament. The Ark was holy also because the Ark was dangerous. You know, as, as we, as this generation, begin to value the presence of God, we, we need not be flippant about the presence of God. As though it's not really that big of a deal. It's just, ah, it's just God. Right? Nah, it's no big deal. It's just the presence of God. I don't have to revere this. I don't have to consider the presence of God to be holy. But one of the things about the Israelites in the Old Testament, they understood that the ark was holy because they understood that the ark was dangerous. It's like, man, I ain't playing about the presence of God. And that's what I love about Breakthrough is that you guys are not playing about the presence of God. Like you'll move heaven and earth to value the presence of God. The ark was placed inside when the, when the temple was constructed. It was placed inside of the holies of holies behind a very heavy veil because it was holy. Uh, because it was not possible for a sinful person to even look at the ark and live. It was too holy. So very simply, when we talk about the ark, following the ark, what I'm talking about today is I'm talking about the presence of God. And so everyone was instructed to look for the presence of God. Now, I've got eight points for you. Here's the first one. Number one, to get there, expectantly look for the presence of God. Now, you're going to have to determine where there is for you personally. 
I don't know where there is for you. I don't know what your promised land is, but whenever I say there, I want you to think about your promises. I want you to think about your divine destiny in God, your calling, if you will. All right? But it's not just individual, it's also corporate. So don't think it's all about you. Right? It's also about the family. Amen? Amen. So it's very, very important breakthrough church for you to be uh, very attentive to when and where God moves. How does God move you? That might be a question that each of us could ask. I'll tell you how God moves me. God moves me through brokenness. I use brokenness as a compass in my life. Uh, brokenness, I mean tears, right? I know that like whenever I move to brokenness, then I know that God is, is the ark is moving. I always know that because I don't know about you, but I can trace back every single significant shift in my life in God to a puddle of snot on the carpet. I don't know about you, but it's like, I am completely undone in the presence of Jesus. And then it's like, there's a divine shift that takes place, right? You're, 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 you're called breakthrough church. Everybody wants breakthrough. Very few people are willing to be broken. But to the extent that you are willing to be broken is to the extent that you will have breakthrough in your spiritual life. Without brokenness, there will be no breakthrough. If you want breakthrough in the city of Lynchburg, you first have to be broken for the city of Lynchburg. God's not going to give you influence where you're not willing to apply love. Well, I want revival on liberty. But in your heart, you hate liberty. Right? That's not going to work. Right? You need to, if you want to see breakthrough at Liberty University, here's a prayer that you need to begin to pray. I feel like that hit too close to home for a few of you guys. <laughs> uh, I want you to begin to pray that God would break your heart for liberty. I mean, break your heart for liberty. Break your heart for the students. Break your heart for every single one of the 15,000, 16,000 kids that are there that you would say, God, break my heart for their souls, that I would look upon them with so much empathy and compassion and that I would love them to such an extent, even if they do a megaphone in front of our worship night. I heard that happen once. I don't know if that's true. But even if they try to get in, you know, they try to mess up what, what God is doing amongst our community, I'm still going to love them with tenderness and with brokenness and with compassion and empathy. And I'm going to pray for them and I'm going to pray that God would rock their lives with the gospel and with the presence and all the power that he wants to pour out over them. Are you with me? Yes. So that's important. Uh, the next phrase I want to look at is this one being carried by the by the Levitical priest. So one of the things that I know about sensing or seeing the presence of God is that you may not always sense or see it first, and you also may not always sense or see it by yourself. This is why being a part of a church is so very important, because people carry presence. God places His presence upon people, and I want to encourage you to stay on the lookout for these people. Stay on the lookout for people who carry the presence of God. Now, when someone is carrying presence, they are doing more than carrying power. They are also carrying holiness. That's very, very important. Because when you look for leaders in the body of Christ, you are not just looking for priests that carry power. You are looking for priests that are marked by holiness. Because the Ark of the Covenant was holy. It was not only powerful, it was also holy. And I, I, I really think that this generation, I really think Gen Z especially, is that if you're Gen Z in the room, you 
hopefully you'll bear witness with this, but you're, you're fed up with uh, notable pastors and preachers falling. And it's like, I've had enough. How, how long uh, are we going to idolize priests that carry power that are not also marked by holiness? How long are we going to do that? Right? We're empowering them by following them, sowing into them, clamoring over them like they're celebrities, right? Like we need to get rid of that garbage and say, look, I understand that you can preach well. That's awesome. But how do you treat your wife? I, I love it that you pray for, pray for sick people and some of them get healed. But are you present as a father? Man, that's awesome that you play drums well or you sing well. Or you, you know, you're a good person to transition the meeting with the microphone. That's amazing. But are you addicted to pornography? Do you constantly give in to temptation? Do you have a poor attitude? Are you disrespectful to your parents? Do you dishonor your pastors? Are you the only person in the room that God can speak through? Are you with me? It, <laughs> this is important. This is important because we have got to look for leaders that carry presence. And when I say presence, I'm not just saying power. I'm also saying holiness. People who, people who are nice. How about that? How about people who are nice? I, I'm, I'm so tired of anointed jerks. Like, hold on, wait. So you're telling me the anointing makes you a better preacher, but it doesn't make you a nicer human being? That's weird to me. That's just strange to me. Like, you can't be kind to people? Okay, so I'm going to get off my soapbox here and go on to the next point. But I want to encourage you guys, be on the lookout for priests that have seen God and they carry His presence. And the great news as New Covenant believers, guys, is that we are all priests now. We're all priests now. We can all carry the ark. We can all carry the presence of God. So this is point two. To get there, I want you to look for leadership from people who carry the presence of God. And one of the reasons why I believe in Andrew and SB so much is because they are leaders that carry the presence of God. And they are leaders that value the presence of God. And I think that is obvious when you step into Breakthrough Church. Would you guys all agree? Yes. Like it's obvious. Like uh, you may see yourself as a young church. You may see yourself as a small church. I don't know how you see yourself entirely, but just because it is young or it's small doesn't make it less potent. I, I really like, uh, I, I'm a, a bit of a foodie. I like, you know, like nice foods and stuff. And I really like truffles. I don't know if you've ever had truffles before, but they're fire. And a little bit goes a long way, like a black truffle. And I was like, this is going to be the craziest thing I've ever said in church. But I, got, I walked in, and I was like, this place is like black truffle butter. <laughs> a little bit goes a long way. It's just so potent. You know what I'm saying? It's like, you may think of yourself as like, oh, we're young, we're small. But let me tell you, the potency in this room is much more than you guys recognize. See, it's, it's one thing to be wide and not deep. Like, oh, we got all these people. But like, who cares about the presence of God? That's not breakthrough church, right? You guys have depth. This is a deep church. Do you guys know that? Maybe you don't, but I, go to, I visit a lot of churches, and I want you guys to know this is a deep church. You guys have depth here, and because of the depth that you have sought Jesus in his presence will bring about depth in the healing of people's hearts as they come and encounter him here. 
Like, I want you to know that. Like, people are really, really, really going to get healed. You're not just going to see people sort of tweak their personalities to fit into Christian community. You're going to see people being transformed by the power of God, becoming more and more like Jesus. And this room, I don't know how much longer you'll be in this room, but this room will be filled with real disciples. And that's not something that we can say right now about every church in our nation. We can say, okay, they're Christians, but are they disciples? There is a difference. Because to be a disciple, like, you actually have to be following. Right. And there are some requirements when it comes to following and there are some manifestations of following. And so when we follow Jesus, there should be some things happening in our lives. Uh, one of which is we should have intimacy with God, meaning we should ha we should have a prayer life and we should have a hunger for the word of God. Right. Number two is that we should be being transformed continually into the image of God year after year as we follow Jesus. Remember, we're being transformed into his image. He's not being transformed into ours. So, so if you have a version of God that becomes more like you year after year, you're not actively being discipled by Jesus. You just have a religious understanding of what it means to be a believer. Right? Because he's going to make you more like himself. But if God becomes more like you year after year, and he likes all the people you like, he hates all the people that you hate, he likes only the people you vote for, he hates all the people you don't vote for, right? Then you have to start thinking, maybe I'm not actually following the real Jesus. Maybe I'm following a caricature of Jesus, and then I'm not actually a Christian. I've just developed an idol. You with me? I know that's hard, but that's really important. But the next thing that, God, that Jesus said that we would do if we were actively following him is that we would be fishing for men. And I know sometimes we read that verse of scripture and we're like, that doesn't include me. Because you're like, I don't have the personality to be an evangelist. But do you remember whenever Jesus was walking the shoreline of Galilee and he told Peter, follow me, I will make you a fisher of men. Do you think that he had like an ASFAB test in his robe? I don't know if you guys still take those in college with a number two pencil. Okay, you don't. Uh, so, um, SAT, ACT. Do you think he had a disc test in his robe? I need you to take this personality test because I want to make sure that you have the right disposition to follow me. Because we're going to be doing a little evangelism later, and I want to make sure you're not an Enneagram 9. There we go. That's the test that I'm looking for, the Enneagram. You guys all know that. I can't be an evangelist. I'm an Enneagram 9. In order to be an evangelist, I would need to be an Enneagram 3. Does Jesus consult with your personality before he calls you to preach the gospel and evangelize the lost? No, he does not. He just gives you a new personality. If any man be in me, he is a new creation. The new creation that you are loves to preach the gospel. That's who you naturally are, right? Not preaching the gospel is actually not walking in the fullness of your inheritance. And unfortunately, I think we have a lot of Christians that are living far below the standard of what Christ paid for on the cross for them to live out as their lifestyle. That's the reason why we hear Jesus say, I want to give you life and life abundantly. But we're like, hold on, wait, I've got life and life. Mediocre. Like what is happening here? So I guess my question is a little rabbit trail here is if you're not fishing, are you really following? Because Jesus said, if you follow him, he'll make you a fisherman. So if we're not fishermen, we have to ask where the problem is. Maybe we're not actually following Jesus anymore. Maybe we're just kind of participating in religion. And I think you guys need to get this because God is going to establish some of you guys as evangelists on the campus. And I believe this in Jesus name. 
and that you're going to begin to invite people here and you're going to begin to uh, witness and testify to people. And even the more so, you're going to begin to prophesy over people. And this is something about the depth of this church is that God is marking this house with a prophetic spirit and a prophetic anointing. So one of the things I know about the prophetic anointing is, is that I don't care how old somebody is. If they have a word from God for me, I'm all ears. So if a seven year old wants to prophesy to you, do you want to listen? And you know, like God has put a word in this seven year old's mouth for me. Will you listen? Yeah. So if a 87 year old, God gives them a word for you, will you listen? You, you, see, you have to understand this, that the prophetic anointing is the great equalizer. When you're when you are anointed prophetically, nobody cares how old you are. I, I don't know if you guys are hearing that, but you have to understand, do not despise the days of small beginnings and do not look upon your youth with disdain like nobody will listen to me because I'm only 20. If you're anointed by the Spirit of God and you have His Word in your mouth, people will listen to you because you don't speak on your own volition. You speak on behalf of God and everybody wants a word from God. Well, I don't have experience. Well, He's the God of the ages. He's the creator of the universe. He has more experience than you'll ever need. Just ask Him what to say and let Him fill your lips as He anoints you by the power of the Holy Spirit. And I promise you, people will listen to you. And if they don't, whenever you speak on behalf of Him, then that's no longer your fault. It's theirs. You know how many people came to our church when I was 26 and they were like, just a bunch of kids there. I'm like, yeah, but we're anointed. <laughs> and <laughs> some of you guys are like, that's a little arrogant. No, I was just confident what God told me. Yeah. Right? And you know what? People are getting saved at our church. So that's the gospel. We were baptizing people at our church. That's the gospel. We were digging into the word and we were practicing to the best of our ability, good theology under submission to leaders and pastors in our lives. Right. We were seeing healing, signs, wonders, miracles. We were doing all the stuff. So if if people got mad about it, then that's just their own fault. Right. You can just say your haters are your elevators. Praise God. <laughs> OK, let me get to let me get to the rest of the points here. Next phrase is set out from your place and follow it. We move only when led by God's presence and leadership from presence people. Is it God or is it just good? Whenever you're navigating through life, you have to ask yourself that question. Is it God or is it just good? The presence is what makes all the difference. I want to encourage you, break through church. Don't get overly attached to anything except for the presence of God. Uh, and, you know, whenever I say to get there, follow the ark, you might be thinking, well, what, what, what is my destiny? Can I tell you guys, your destiny is not an income bracket. Your destiny is not a job post. Your destiny is not an office suite. Your destiny is not a zip code. Your destiny is not a square footage in a house. And let me go, let me, let me say this, because I think this might hit home a little more. Your destiny is not a follower count on Instagram or TikTok or anything else. Like your destiny has nothing to do uh, with your influence. Your destiny is about one thing, and that's a person. It's not a place. It's a, not a position. It's a person. Your destiny is a person and his name is Jesus. And if you will lock hands with Jesus and you will walk with him in intimacy all the days of your life, he will guarantee that you end up exactly where you're supposed to be. Next phrase. Yet there shall be a distance between you and it. Yes, the ark was holy and it had to be respected. But this, this distance here is not so much about the ark being dangerous as it was the ark being first. And that's point three. To get there, give the presence of God leadership in your life. 
Give the presence of God leadership in your life, guys. Anything you give birth to by the flesh, you'll have to steward in the flesh. But what you give birth to in the spirit, the, co the, the Holy Spirit will co-labor with you. So give the presence of God leadership in your life. This is why Israel was instructed, stay behind the ark, stay behind the presence because it's important that we give the presence of God leadership. So before you move, before your next thing in life, what I want to encourage you guys to do is process with Jesus in his presence. Let God reveal to you how to move. Let God reveal to you when to move. That's very important. If you have to violate your peace to get it, it's not God. I don't want to miss. I don't want to miss it. I don't want to miss it. If you're hand in hand with Jesus, you won't miss it. Next phrase says, in order that you may know the way you shall go. Outside of God's presence, church, we have no idea where we're supposed to go and we have no idea how we're supposed to get there. Without God's presence... We are absolutely doomed. Without God's presence, church, we're completely lost. That's the reality. We need God's presence. When we follow God's presence, we will always move in the right direction. And that's number four. To not get lost on your way there. To not get lost, make the presence of God your number one priority. To not get lost, make the presence of God your number one priority. Whenever you commit to the presence of God, you always commit to the right path. Always. It's the next phrase from the scripture. For you have not passed this way before. If you follow God, I promise you, Breakthrough Church, you will go to new places. Not old places, not, not tired places. You'll not do things that have been done before, but God will take you into new places, places you've never been, and places you didn't even dream that you could go. And when he takes you into them, they might be unfamiliar, but that's okay because the presence of God will keep you while you stand in unfamiliar places. I promise you that. You will have more than enough. You know, um, some people will complain, well, I would do that, but I don't have fill in the blank. The perspective that you need is in the presence you already have. It's very important to remember that. The perspective that you need is in the presence that you already have. So you may not always feel prepared, but you can always be dependent. You may not always feel prepared, but you can always be dependent. Last thing I'll say on this point is taking territory without prayer is how you get evicted. Israel lost every battle they didn't pray through. Taking territory without prayer is how you get evicted. That's called taking things in your own strength and your own might. And listen, orphans always take, sons always receive. By staying in that place of the presence of God and staying in that place of abiding prayer and praying as you step out and you follow God and doing what He told you to do in the presence, He will co-labor with you and He will secure your territory. And just like the psalmist said, my boundary lines have fallen in pleasant places. He had that perspective in the presence. Number five, to get there and stay there, become completely dependent upon the presence of God. 
I know I'm kind of harping on this same kind of understanding, the same concept, but I really want you to get it this morning. To get there and stay there, this is about you guys as a church body, and this is about you guys as individuals taking territory that God has marked out for your life. So to get there and to stay there, become completely dependent upon the presence of God. Don't be dependent on strategy. Don't be dependent on organization. Don't be dependent on principles. Be dependent upon the presence of God. We need strategy, we need organization, and we need standards and principles. However, I can promise you this. As a church planter, I can tell you, dependency upon God is more effective when building churches than organization is. Now, some people would really be mad at me for saying that. But that is the reality. Because at the end of the day, I am not building this church for Jesus. I am building this church with Jesus. This is not our house. This is his house. That means if he decides he wants to come in and do a remodel, he can. If he decides that he wants to redecorate, he can. And you know what? We don't get to vote. We just get to submit. And we get to say, God, this is your house. I would rather be a doorkeeper in your house than I would rather be anywhere for thousands of years. I just want to be where you are, God. If you want to do something different, then I say yes. And if you want to do something through somebody else that is different, then I say yes. You know, one of the things about this season for the Israelites is that they were actually moving because of the, because of the lack of manna. God was not giving the manna anymore. Can you imagine the identity crisis of the people who were so exceptional at collecting manna? Like there was somebody amongst the Israelites that was like the chief manna gatherer. You know what I mean? Like they were awesome at it. They were just like skipping and hopping and they had built instruments and they were like collecting the manna and they were probably like had their own bake shop. Like they were doing like manna pop tarts and stuff. You know, just like things that you would never imagine. Like they were thriving in the season that God was giving manna. But what kind of identity crisis did that person go through when the manna dried up? What happens to you whenever God decides to do something different and what he's highlighting is no longer what you're good at? Are you going to stay a part of the company, of the tribe? Are you going to continue to follow the presence? Or are you going to camp out around your gift and say, well, since they're not doing what I want to do and what I'm good at and what gets me all the attention, I guess I'll find another church. Are you with me? This is very, very important. And this is how we keep unity because anywhere we'll give ourselves to unity, God says he'll give us blessing. It's in that place he commands a blessing, Psalm 133 says. All right, almost done here. Three more points. Consecrate yourselves is the next part. Consecration breakthrough church is preparation because consecration is purification. And anytime God gets ready to do something new in your life, he always takes you through a moment of repentance. It always happens. There's no better way to prepare for what God is about to do next than by sitting with him in his presence and to be consecrated by his Holy Spirit. Now, to be consecrated means to be set apart, to be purified. And that's what God's presence does for us. God's presence purifies us. It purifies our minds and it purifies our hearts. Whenever a Christian becomes arrogant, all they're doing is revealing that it's been a while since they've been in the presence of God. Right? Because it's like, oh, hold on, wait, no. You, you've 
gone to services, but you've not given yourself to the ministry of the Holy Spirit. You've gone to events. You've not went into the prayer closet and sat with God in His presence and allowed Him to move upon you. But it's so important, and this is number six, to get there and to go further. Keep clean hands and a pure, pure heart by constantly being washed in the presence of God. Two more points and we'll pray. Next phrase. For tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. Presence, church, always precedes power. For tomorrow the, Lord's, the Lord will do wonders among you. Presence always precedes power. Presence today means power tomorrow. You guys putting a stake in the ground and saying we're going to go after the presence of God in this season means you are going to see an outpouring of the power of God in the next season. I promise you. I promise you what you guys are doing right now is you're sowing and you're sowing into the right place because when you go into the presence, you always come out with power. If you did not know this, the presence of God is how you get anointed. If you want to do what God has called you to do, you're going to need the presence of God because you go into the presence of God and you come out with power. That's where you get anointed. There's only one place to get anointed, and that is in the presence of God. Presence always reveals the revelation of God's timing as well, and that helps us to know I can stay encouraged because wonders are on the way. I'm in the presence. Number seven, the presence of God will always take you into greater things. The presence of God will always take you into greater things. It's the next phrase from the Scripture. Take up the Ark of the Covenant and pass on before the people. And this right here, guys, is where we start to work, if you can call it that. As the priest, we are responsible now for carrying the presence of God before the people. And this is what sets world-changing kingdom leaders apart. They are presence people. They are presence carriers. They have a presence DNA. Now, one of the names for Jesus, and I hardly ever hear this talked about, is one of his nicknames is the desire of the nations. Did you guys know that? Everybody wants Jesus, even if they don't acknowledge their need for Jesus. He's the desire of the nations. And if we'll carry the presence of God and do... What we've been talking about thus far this morning is that people will see us and they'll become attracted to God. He is the desire of the nations. And this is our job, guys, is to carry the presence of God in such a way that provokes people to jealousy to wonder, what is it on your life? What is going on with you? We work at the same job that I hate and you somehow seem to carry joy into every day. What is the deal? Oh, yeah, you, don't, you must not know about the presence of Jesus. No, well, I'm a Christian. Yeah, but I'm talking about being a presence carrier. I'm talking about being more hungry for the presence of Jesus than you are your next meal. I'm talking about going after the presence of God at that level. And that's point eight. And this is the last point is I am purposed to carry the presence of God into the world. This is something that we have to get down deep in our spirits. And this is who we are, that we are purposed to carry the presence of God into the world. This is part of our identity. This is part of our inheritance. This is part of who we are. And this is part of what God has called us to do. So, today, the title of the message was, To Get There, Follow the Ark. Like I said, I don't know where there is for you. I don't know what God has marked out for you as your promised land. But I do know how you're going to get there. 
And that is by following the ark of God's presence. This church is a presence people. You are a presence person. And so I don't want you to hold your soul back from the place that it takes its most delight, which is the very presence of Jesus. Let's pray.